a very welcome to the latest episode of the Copcast podcast. Uh, your host tonight is me, Johnny Anderson, and I am joined tonight by two gentlemen who are in Berlin. So first of all, over to Chief uh, Neil. How are you, sir? All right, Johnny. Nice to nice to be on. Nice to be chatting to you. Um, yeah, I'm grand, grand in general. Not so pitchy with the football at the moment, but sure, we'll we'll get into that. Yeah, we we most certainly will. We had a bit of a laugh before the pod as we were coming up with me getting a name pronunciation right and coming from Ireland, I should be used to pronouncing names given our given our language and stuff. But a, a warm welcome because uh, my first time actually podding with Jengis, uh, who's in Berlin and originally from Cyprus. You're very welcome along, Jengis. Uh, it's it's very nice to be back here and a very nice very nice pronunciation of my name. Congratulations! <laughs> uh, th- thank you very much. After the pod, I'll do um, I'll do a test. I'll send you some Irish names and, and see how you get on with them, Jengis. Okay, um, that's all. That I I've I've already failed that without taking it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pronunciation minefield. <laughs> All right, good good stuff, good stuff. So, yeah, we've, we've there's only one place to start really this week, and that is with the game last night, which was at the London Stadium, where Liverpool were going out hot in the heels of Man City, having their comfortable as expected victory over Arsenal and. Everyone hoping we could re-establish that five-point lead, which we'd earned during the week uh, in the build-up to that. Obviously, a disappointing, a disappointing result in the end. Um, Liverpool got a, a real stroke of luck, taking the lead with uh, a goal from Mane, where Milner was clearly miles offside in the build-up. Really hard to know what the linesman was doing. I think he was looking at Adam Lallana's fancy footwork in fairness and then that was quite quickly cancelled out by it's quite a clever free kick actually Liverpool were playing their high line they rolled the free kick through down the side of the wall and Mikel Antonio slammed it in and that and, and that was that 1-1 coming to you first Chief what did you make of it because obviously the narrative is two points dropped per performance strange team team selection what did you think I suppose Elements of fairness in 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 those opinions or those uh, yeah those those takes on it. Um, it's one of them really. In isolation, it, it, you know, their games. It's it's a game that can happen. What I think what's most disappointing, if you're, you're going to be disappointed about it, which which I suppose we are, or I am a, a little anyway, is that it's back to back with the with the Leicester game. And again, you know, the Leicester game wasn't so bad you know on a, on a, on another day with a better referee liverpool win that game you know and and, and even getting a draw in that uh, in that situation isn't the worst result having said that both of them come together one after the other is yeah it, it just takes the wind out of our seals a little bit if you look at the game as it was i mean i think you really you really summed it up pretty much perfectly by just uh, talking through the goals there uh, johnny cuz not much else happened. Second half, West Ham were content to sit in, really content to sit in. Liverpool didn't really create much. Uh, they absolutely dominated. We absolutely dominated. Um, as the possession stats and, and shots and so on will we'll, we'll tell you. But, yeah, you put it down to a lot of things, but then you're never quite sure. And it could be a combination of certain factors, and at the same time, it might have much more to do with with one than the other. Um, so what you you know, the team selection, you know, everyone's thrown 
massively by Adam Lallana starting. We get the news that it's because Henderson and, and Jeannie are are injured, have knocks. We can't even be considered for, for the squad, so fair enough. You know, we're down to the bare bones there with, with our right-back situation because Milner, potential centre midfield cover, is, is also having to play out of position at right-back. So, I mean, the hand is forced. So what are you going to do? You, you've got to make the best of it. That's going to happen during the season. We're unlucky in a way, but, you know, you've got to roll with it. You've, you've got to make the best of it. At the end of the day, we take the lead. And I think what's, in a way, disappointing, but in a way you've got to kind of take your hat off, is that um, they undid us with set pieces. They, you know, they didn't look like scoring or really creating a chance against us in open play, West Ham this is. They've, they've gone up against a side who have been excellent at set pieces, both defensively and in the attacking third this season. And they've done their homework and they've ripped us apart from the set pieces every time. They, they got in time and again, time and again. And, and to be fair, Leicester had a little bit of joy with their set pieces as well. Although uh, I believe there were some questionable uh, uh, line calls in, in the Leicester game, if I remember rightly. But uh, they did get in behind us. I think three of them were offside, but uh, it wasn't given in that game. This time, West Ham got in behind us time and again. Rice should have added to their lead um, with, with that header. He misses, thank goodness. Um, but that really that really should have been really testing Allison, if not just, just nestling in the back of the net. And they, they did it again and again, really. I think they, they did it about four times, the same thing. They had a runner come from deep. They had maybe a blocker on the end to, to, to stop our player who was closest to, to their, their runner. And they kept springing and breaking and getting in behind. And, you know, fair play to them. They've, they've capitalised on, on a weakness, if not a, a potential weakness, uh, a flaw, shall we say, in what Liverpool have actually been executing to really decent effect all season. Uh, so hopefully that's something that, that, you know, going on we can remedy because it, it's something that's clearly been seen now and can be exploited. So we've got to think of a way to combat that. I don't know if, yeah, on a, on a bigger scale, I don't know if it's uh, anything to do with the narrative of fear or anything to do with kind of playing within themselves or in that sense, as much as as to be to be in this position of, of circumstance where you are make doing and, and mending essentially with your uh, with your lineup with uh, your your players who are starting with systems in the end you've got James Milner there apparently playing with a I don't know, he's got the flu or whatever he has, but he was regarded as contagious, had to travel on his own, all this kind of stuff, and to play in a position that he doesn't want to play in anyway, and is doing a does a stellar job when he can, when he has to, but you know, you know what I mean? It's not ideal. So I don't want to jump to any big conclusion. It's slightly um, disconcerting, as I said, to have the two draws come back to back. But, you know, biggest thing is to go on and win the next game, as it always is, after these kind of results. And, you know, it could have been much, much worse. We're, we're kind of upset and uh, over two draws. We still have only lost one game this season. You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's not all doom and gloom. But, yeah, you know, slightly, slightly worrying, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's a good point you make, too. And the, I think uh, there was a couple of things, Chief, that were evident there was this, the set pieces were a problem. They were a problem against Leicester when Maguire got in. And it's interesting, you know, I think Van Dyke uh, was asked about it post-game. And he made the point that 
you know, changes in a back four are always going to make it a bit more difficult. So obviously, you, know, you don't have Trent there. They've been without Gomez for a while, but there's been a lot of, you know, Milner coming in at right back, just a, a lot of changes. And that's probably um, caused that. Yeah, pretty pretty much uh, agree with that. Zheng, uh, from, from, from your perspective, what did you make of it? Um, what, what did you think of the performance? And was there anyone in particular you think stood out for us or was was particularly off their game last night? What was your thoughts? Tough one, Johnny. Um, I actually thought that this was probably one of our worst performances of the season. I mean, when you look at it on paper and uh, think back to uh, the chances created, so we had eight shots on target, I think, uh, and we had some pretty good chances. Uh, Firmino had the uh, a brilliant chance where he scuffed it and... Um, it, Totally wasted that chance. Uh, Mo Salah, he had a few really good chances, especially one where he just does his usual magic and just like turns around and he finds himself inside the box with a great angle to shoot. And then uh, it's it's kind of straight to uh, Fabianski. Mane, I, I thought Mane did uh, pretty well throughout the game. His work rate was high. Um, normally his uh, passing isn't that great, but he had a few really awesome through balls, uh, which uh, led to creation of a chance. But and he obviously gets the goal. But in the end, we 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 just weren't clinical enough. And um, I think uh, part of that um, uh, factor, a major factor to that, could be uh, the fact that Trent is still missing. You know, Trent and Robbo, they kind of really know when uh, which one of them is going up the field, which one is staying back, or if they if they're both going up the field, they kind of know their game really well now. They've played together for a while, and I mean, it's not to say that Millie did a bad job or anything. I thought he was pretty good for most of the game, and he will put a shift in wherever you place him on the pitch. But Trent on the right hand side has a great understanding with Salah as well, especially when Salah's playing on the right. And uh, you know, it's just we all know how good he is on the ball as well, and uh, the the balls over the top or the through balls, and he he just has. He's he's kind of like a really technical midfielder playing at right back. So it's really nice when Salah is playing uh, on the right on a 4-3-3 and you have Trent playing at right back because they kind of have this connection. And um, yeah, I mean, Milner at the end um, uh, gets the assist, even though it's an offside goal. But nevertheless, I think Trent being there in general for the way how our how our game flows uh, it suits our um, link-up play and our movement down the flanks way better. Apart from that, I would say Keita, um, he, he definitely had a better game than last game. Um, I don't think he was incredible, but he did once again show signs of why he's uh, really highly rated, you know. And um, I really do think he will come good soon. Um, Earlier, I said that he probably shouldn't be starting games at the moment because of the situation that we're in. We can't really afford to play players back into form or confidence. But, you know, out of, uh, in, I think it's a great chance for him since we're so short of uh, the regular personnel uh, in their uh, favorite positions at the moment. And I think it was a it was a step up from last game, especially in the second half. Uh, he wasn't hiding from the ball. He had a few uh, really nice typical Nabi Keita moments, which we've been hoping to see for so long, just dribbling past players and darting towards the box and getting involved in the action. So I think that's um, one positive um, note on the game. Um, the other positive, I would say, and this is finding, trying to find something good in a bad situation, 
um, if if this was a year and a half ago, um, we would probably lose that game. So, I mean, when, when you look at how resilient we've been earlier in the season, uh, we haven't played great in certain games, such as Huddersfield away, and, you know, we, we, we won their 1-0, I, I think it was. And, you know, we've had so many of those moments where uh, we, we didn't really play great. You know, we're talking about we're still in first gear, we haven't upped the gear yet, and we still managed to win all our games. Uh, whoever we played um, outside the um, top six, we beat them home and away. That's one of the reasons why I said this was probably one of the worst performances we've had this season because while there has there have been games where we weren't at our best, we were still winning those games. But um, last night, um, uh, it just wasn't to happen. Uh, but of course, you know, many mitigating circumstances, you know, our injury list is it's getting quite ridiculous right now, to be honest with you. I mean, so many key players missing. And regardless of, you know, you have a good squad and, um, you know, all, all our players who are putting a shift in, they are actually putting a shift in. But, you know, when you have a collective of players who um, done preseason together, playing in their favorite position, you know, they've been playing in these positions for over a year now, um, our key players and you know, when you remove any one of them, even if you have an experienced player like Milner or um, Henderson dropping into right back, for example, they, they, you can be guaranteed that they'll put a shift in. But what you can't guarantee is that you'll have the same kind of unstoppable game going down the flanks. So, you know, I think cons- considering all the situations, again, it's definitely not the end of the world. And, you know, we, we've been so fantastic the whole season that, you know, our hopes are really high and we expect to win all our games and everything like that. But in reality, you know, when you when you think of it in a logical way, it's there's so many years of not winning the title and some uh, pretty stressful, depressive um, seasons in the, in the recent past. You know, you're, you're not just going to stroll to the title 15, 20 points clear and, you know, get a, la- a lap of honor five games left to, until the end of the season or anything. So, I mean, it's always going to be tight and, City will drop points, and we will also continue to drop points. Uh, hopefully, not too many, but I mean, it's it's bound to happen, and I think it's going to go down all the way to the last game of the season. And um, I think we've done brilliantly so far. We're kind of in a mini injury, unfortunate crisis in terms of personnel and um, uh, players staying out of position. But um, I think you know the next the game after Bournemouth. Uh, I mean, there's there's qu- quite a bit of and there's like 10 days or something. I mean, we'll get back to that. But hopefully with a few more um, extended breaks between games, we can get some key players back and also get our crowd behind us and just power on. It's just so important that we actually win our next game because going into um, a 10-day break after that, it could it could help us loads and also keep the media quite silent. So, yeah, I mean, it, it, at the end of the day... Uh, regarding uh, um, uh, West Ham, I thought they did pretty well to um, score their goal. And they, um, as Neil mentioned, uh, you know, they had a few clear-cut chances. And it's actually one, the biggest negative side um, uh, of the game, uh, the point that I want to make is our unreliability on our defense in the set piece, or the whole team in the set pieces. We just seem to, uh, in Le- against Leicester, it was probably one of the first times this season that they actually um, broke our offside trap and we've been doing it so well for the whole season. That's that's the only reason why we have the best defensive record in the league. 
You know, a few years ago, we were leaking in those set-piece goals and all the talk of bringing in a defensive coach and all that bullshit. But, you know, this season, we've been incredible at keeping our lines and just making the opposition fall to our offside trap. And we've done it game after game after game relentlessly. And, you know, Leicester did a really good job at picking us out and West Ham did even better than them. I mean, the goal, I don't think, you know, fingers were being pointed at Keita for the goal that he lost his man, but I don't think it was Keita's fault at all. Um, You know, he was actually closest, uh, Antonio was actually closest to Robertson. He ran off Robertson and as he was going past Keita, uh, Mark Noble actually pulled Keita back slightly, which took that really critical pace off of him and he couldn't make it to Antonio who finished it uh, it was a wonderful finish to be honest so uh, it was a very work, uh, well worked goal but I think the most important thing that we have to work on at the moment is our defense and the set pieces and keeping our lines and doing what we've done really well until now because I think it's the way we've defended from set pieces uh, it's the reason why we're first at the moment Hard to disagree with any of that, Jengis, uh, to be honest. Um, I think, too, the really good point you made about the two fullbacks because I think there was a really perfect illustration in our biggest game of the season of just how important Trent is, and that was against Man City when we were obviously chasing the equaliser. You know, the understanding and the way Trent switched the play and the composure he had putting that ball in the box, he is a massive, massive part of the way. We attack, and you're absolutely right. There's there's such a great uh, relationship between them two. I think it's probably underplayed how much uh, we miss him. We did speak before the pod, didn't we, around... We don't want to get into the... It, it's almost like a Groundhog Day. It's almost the same game, isn't it, as, um, uh, as, as what we had. Deja vu, like, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it was such a similar game. We get an early, well, the, obviously the goal against Leicester was a lot earlier, but we get an early goal. We think we've rode our luck a wee bit and we're okay. Set piece, almost identical. They get round the back of us, they score. Our performance then is nervous and and, and we end up not quite getting the result. Um, before, before we move on to sort of some of the post-match discussion, I'm just interested quickly, guys, and you mentioned there, Jengis, about Firmino, and, and he really, he, it was probably one of the worst games I've, I've seen him play. He was he was really off it last night. Nothing seemed yeah. to stick. He, he gave the ball away a lot. Chief, any concerns there? Obviously, Firmino's a player you're very familiar with, obviously living out, uh, out in Germany. He really was poor last night. One of those things, just an off night. Yeah, no, I wouldn't read too much into it. He, he was terrible. I mean, I mean, we we can see that from from the way he was he was hooked on seventy one, seventy two. Very unlike club, you know. Bobby is his his go to man really, and and he usually keeps him on, and um, and rightly so because uh, he's 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 probably the player who makes us tick the most, particularly when he's on form. Um, no, I think it's one of those things. I think that you know. It was just a game where nothing was coming off for him. Uh, his passing was off. His touch was off. His shooting was off. Everything, nothing was working for him. So I think he was just just got to put it down as as one of those, you know, a bad day at the office. It happens to, to every player. But I wouldn't worry. I mean, he was growing. He, he grew into the first part of the season, didn't he? He had a little spell where he wasn't at his best and he played, played his way in, into form and you know, in December he was fabulous. I, th- I think you'll find that again. I think you'll. F- 
it's you know it's funny the way the games are. I mean, I don't want to go. We'll probably go into this more than after, but uh, the way the games are spaced and stuff, you know, it, it's 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 a case really of of getting through these three, as it were. You know, the the Leicester, West Ham, and um, and Bournemouth, which we've got coming up. Uh, in a way, just just with the, the timing of them and the way the games are spaced, and with that break we just had and being away and sort of a mini preseason and, and all that kind of thing, I think we'll really be gearing up to you know when the Champions League kicks in again. That's when when it, the season really gets going again, and and that's when things really start to happen because teams are are a little bit more distracted and they've got their eyes in more competitions. They've got more potential for injury. More potential for emotional being emotionally drained after a big European game and, and all this kind of stuff. As far as Firmino's concerned, that he'd be fine. He'd be absolutely fine. He'd, he'd play his way back into to form, hopefully sooner rather than later. And by the time we're in, in mid March, you know we're going to be singing his praises again. There, there's no doubt about it. He's going to be integral to to the push for uh, well the challenge and hopefully the push for the title. I would probably share those thoughts on him. Um... He is a go-to man. He does sometimes, he is a bit patchy, but the one thing with Firmino is he never hides, he never shirks, and, and he always works um, for the for the team as well. Okay, I suppose when we get into the, the post-game stuff then, there's a lot of, you know, we all know what it's like, especially if you're on Twitter, you've got, the, you've got these multitude of fan bases that really want to see Liverpool fail, because obviously Man City, with their... Human rights abusing owners are the saviors of football now, apparently, <laughs> which always uh, sort of amuses me. But there was a lot of narratives knocking around after the game about Liverpool being uh, being bottlers, you know, maybe panicking a bit, the feeling the pressure. Mark Noble then was asked about it. Mark Noble actually was came out fair play to him and said he really hoped Liverpool would do it. Um, but he talked about the team needing the the, the balls as well. Shengus, what's what's your thoughts on this narrative around Butlers? Is it a load of nonsense? Is it about taking a step back and realizing we've lost one game all season? Or are people right to start thinking that with the pressure now really starting to come on, the performances has dropped and there's and there's reason for alarm? How how do you see it? I think it's all a lot of fucking bullshit. Sorry for my language, but it's pure jealousy, I would say. Hey. Um, I, mean, I mean, to be honest, w- would you guys be happy if you saw Arsenal or Spurs even uh, winning the league? No. Would you be taking the piss if they went on a good run and then they dropped a few points when they were uh, at the top of the league? Not if we were. <laughs> not if we were way behind. <laughs> I think no. we would, but I think, you know whatever happened a few years back in, in 13 14 you know that's kind of like it's kind of like ground zero for the keyboard warriors like all the trolls on there you know they they're just nowhere and then all of a sudden they just appear out of nowhere trolling liverpool you know they just love jumping jumping on that bandwagon it's kind of like but that's kind of what part of football is about nowadays you know with social media being you know in people's everyday lives when it's so easy to reach out to pretty much all kinds of people and you know it's I, th- I think it's just you know if it if it was Spurs and not us and if they went through the exact same kind of form they would they would receive the exact same treatment because people at the end of the day I mean if you're an Arsenal fan watching Liverpool and you know if Unai Emery is saying yeah Liverpool is the model that we want to follow and they're setting an example you know if, if you watch team which doesn't have the resources of 
a team like Man City or Man United and they're doing exceptionally well, you know, of course, deep down inside, you might be like, okay, that's maybe a good thing for football. But if it's not happening to you, you don't really want it to happen to other people. But I mean, it's not even just about the whole Twitter thing. It's, I feel like there's kind of a bias. I mean, maybe it's just based off, uh, some would say, oh, oh, you're basing that uh, just on the recent results. But I think in general, we, we probably get the less favor favoring of decisions going towards us in games as well. I mean, when you look at refereeing decisions, I think most of them are pretty bad compared to other um, the treatment the other top six or rather the um, top two or three teams get. So I, I think we kind of have a slight disadvantage there. But um, re- regarding the, the shitstorm happening on Twitter, I, I don't think it's going to stop until the end of the season. And that's why you see, for example, Adam Lalana was, you know, today uh, he made an Instagram post and he, he mentioned that, you know, can't wait until the next um, game at Anfield against Bournemouth with a crazy good atmosphere. And, you know, it was, he, he said something that, you know, everyone should be in line, that everyone should be patient and kind of not freak out and not, you know, you know, you know even Van Dyke was also saying, you know, you, you need to kind of, you know, we, we can kind of hear that the fans are nervous and we need to control that. And I think that's very, very important. So, uh, you know, all the fan channels around, everyone's talking about, yeah, get off Twitter and uh, all this stuff. It's it's kind of inevitable that, you know, this can be transmitted to the players. And actually what I think, you know, I was actually, uh, I think everyone prior to our injury crisis um, was saying, you know, okay, let's, I, I hope we don't progress to the FA Cup and, it's good that we got knocked out so early in the um, in the EFL Cup, and we can now focus on the Premier League and all this stuff. But you know, when you have so much time in between games, then the focus is so much on, oh yeah, okay, so there's they have enough time to prepare and all this stuff, and so the pressure starts building on really, really early. And you know, it's they just love talking about Liverpool and the title race, and you know, can they do it or are they going to bottle it again? I mean, it's just an a hot topic for everyone, even if you're a neutral or if you hate Liverpool or you love Liverpool. It's kind of a nice point to debate about, you know, amongst amongst people. You know, you'll find viewers or listeners to that. But I think we just have to focus on our own games kind of as much as possible. Just blank out whatever is being said on the media. And because we have a job to do um, as as the players have a job to do, us as fans, supporters, we have a job to do. And nothing should kind of get in the way and, you know, lead to big tensions that that is being transmitted to the players and affecting the performance. You know, like we need to I think it's actually I can't wait for the Champions League to be back, especially if we progress and we'll have um, more games. We won't have too much time in in between Premier League games, but still enough time to be able to recover but the players will have good rhythm. Um, people won't be thinking about the next Premier League game too much because there's a Champions League there. So it kind of shifts the focus away a little bit. And the players kind of hopefully, hopefully we get some of our very crucial players back during this time. But um, if they are back and we do have a, a more um, dependable or um, um, a more confident um, squad playing in the right positions, then... Um, yeah, I think uh, I think we have to do we have to not only focus on the Premier League, but I think a Champions League um, run could really help us for the league as well. To be honest, yeah, that's absolutely right. Shifting the focus 
shifted the focus a little bit when the when the Champions League comes back and um, take a bit of, a bit of scrutiny off. I think I think all this bottling stuff is. It's as Chenga says, really. It's just a, it, it's just for clicks. It's just for debate. It's just for uh, you know pushing your story, pushing your agenda, whatever. It, it, for some reason, people love to love to jump on a bandwagon, and for some reason, that oh, wouldn't it be terrible if Liverpool won the league? It seems to be a bandwagon that people want to jump on. Um, clearly, not really football fans. I, I don't really get it because of all the teams that. Um, maybe would deserve to win a Premier League after all this fucking time. Might might be us. But, you know, you don't expect everyone to be for you. As, as Cengiz rightly said, we, we wouldn't want Spurs to win it. I certainly fucking wouldn't, not before us. That's a fact. But, at the, you know, at the same time, yeah, it's not really, it's, it's not, it's not really about bottling. Uh, it's the, some fans don't really have the stomach for a fight. You know, I mean, it's going to be up and down. It's going to be points drop where you don't expect it by both teams. You know, it's going to be really, you know, clenching and, and, and holding and, and, and hoping, you know, having faith that you can get through. I think, I think that the fans being being on side is really important. I think, I think the narrative kind of flips again, though, do you know, with the points differentials and stuff, because because we were we all of a sudden found ourselves seven points clear and then five points clear and then so on and so on. We went from... From, from chasing City and, and wanting to be there, thereabouts, to suddenly being in a position which we weren't really planned for, we didn't really expect. And I'm talking as, as a fan base, not really as players uh, or as a club. I mean, as a fan base, suddenly the fans, you know, we, we flipped. We went from being really enjoying it and really going, yeah, we're fucking, we're, we're turning up, we're, we're battering everyone, we're right on City's heels. Shit, we're ahead of them. Shit, we're miles ahead of them. Shit, right, we better not fuck this up. And that kind of just happened, in, just just because of the the dynamic of us sort of hitting the front almost almost too early, if you will. Do you know what I mean? If, if you're maybe um, you know using a horse racing analogy, possibly time that run a, a little too early. Maybe we didn't foresee a couple of the results the city would throw in. But uh, you know, in terms of conditioning and so on, you know, we know the way your club works. We know that we've had this ten day break. He's been to Dubai. He's had them doing warm weather training. It's at the mini preseason, all that kind of thing. Get them together, and I'm and I'm sure we're going to see Liverpool's performance only only improve over the next ten weeks or so. Uh, and let's hope that sustains us all the way through for, for the for the title challenge and and the Champions League. But I think it's more more a case of fans, you know, bottling it a little bit. You, you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, there is going to be pressure. There are going to be ups and downs. And you've got to stick with it. You know, you can't throw the fucking towel in just, just you know, at a, at a draw. And a way draw, yeah, it's not as good as a win. But yes, we are still three points clear. And, you know, the thing is that, talking about dynamic, City go top if they beat Everton, or should, should probably say when they beat Everton. And this is being recorded. So this will probably come out the day City City play Everton. So uh, we don't know the score, obviously. It's pro- probably going to be a City win. City go top on goal difference. But then Liverpool play first at the weekend. They can go top again, you know. And we're playing from a position of neck and neck. And then you've got City having to win then in their match against Chelsea just to, just to go level again. And the, the, that's going to keep flipping. And it's who deals best with the pressure as we go along. But... I think any talk of this Liverpool side bottling at this stage is is really premature and, and pretty unfounded given the extenuated circumstances and the actual results. 
So I was just going to say one thing, Genghis, on it. It's funny the narrative around bottling as well, because you take two results in a, in, a, in a short space of time. You can do points comparisons over sort of any period of games, can't you? But actually, if you take a longer extended run, I had read that over the last 10 games, they've dropped 12 points. We've dropped seven. They've lost at Newcastle. They've lost to Leicester. They've lost to Palace. Yet, all of a sudden, because we've drawn a couple of games, the narrative is we're the bottlers. So it's just funny the way the, the way that happens when actually the reality seems to be that that City really have dropped a, a couple of clangers. Sorry, Jengis, you were gonna you were gonna come in there and I cut across you. Yeah, that that was actually uh, one of the points I wanted to make, and that's that's very true. You know, you can kind of see um, there the kind of bias against us um, in the media. Um, you know, we've obviously when you look over the ten, last ten games, our form has been uh, better than that of City's, and also, I mean. Just look at Spurs, you know, they, they've been completely disregarded pretty much by everyone for the whole season. And the reality is that they shouldn't be because they're right on our tails as well, you know. So And they're missing so many uh, key players as well. So if, if they're able to win their games and get the points, then, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if people are, you know, um, talking shit about you or saying that, you know, we're bottlers and uh, we're doing it again and all this stuff, you know, it, as long as we can just keep our focus, uh, you know, it, it it should be irrelevant what people are saying. But we really, you know, uh, you would expect from a, a fan who goes to the stadium, you know, for the home games. I mean, no, no offense to the away fans. I thought they were brilliant. But, you know, at Anfield, you could really feel the tension last time. And I really hope that against Bournemouth, you know, you get everyone on song. And, you know, we already have a European night coming up after, right afterwards. But... It would be really, really nice if we can see a really proper 12th man, full force support, you know, over there. No, no panic, no nothing that can do nothing but help the players, you know. And also, Neil, um, you, you, you mentioned earlier when we were having the chat, the difference of the narrative towards Dortmund in Germany and um, uh, Liverpool in England. I, do you want to uh, talk about that? Yeah, well, I mean, it's just interesting. It's an interesting comparison, obviously. Um, Bayern, the, the big spending, the, the big juggernaut in, in Germany, obviously, and uh, Man City, the, the big spending juggernaut in the Premier League, uh, both coming off uh, the back of, of title wins. And, you know, uh, you know, it's fair to say that Liverpool and Dortmund have been likened to each other as similar, similar sort of clubs over the years. And the same kind of thing is happening there at the weekend. Well, Bayern, to put context, Bayern second slash third in, in the Bundesliga at the moment, um, sitting about seven to, to nine points behind uh, Dortmund currently after after the last round of matches. And, you know, same kind of scenario in, in, in the Premier League. And it's just that, you know, you get the same results. So at the weekend, Bayern lose to, to Leverkusen and uh, Dortmund draw with Eintracht Frankfurt. Well, par- it's, it's a mirror image or a parallel of the, of the results um, in the Premier League with the City losing to Newcastle and Liverpool getting a draw with uh, with Leicester. And just the, the way that the, the British press reported both was, um, or reported each, was, was very, very different. You know, uh, Dortmund extended their lead as, as Bayern showed further signs of, of weakness. 
whereas Liverpool bottled a chance to go seven points clear um, of Man City. Yeah, I mean, it, it is all about narrative. And, you know, there is a little bit of always wanting to, to have a dig at Liverpool that there is definitely an element of that. There is also the element that, that, that they just know Liverpool fans are mad and that they start writing about Liverpool or talking about Liverpool and it's it's going to get so much traction, more traction than pretty much any other club. So... So that's why they do it as well. Um, but it's one of those things um, we'll uh, we'll have to see. Only time will tell. Only you know we'll only be able to say in May whether there was any suggestion or any hint of bottling from the players in any way. But at, at this point, it, it it's really far too premature, and I don't see any signs of that at all. So, so yeah, it's it's just one of them. Yeah, uh, that is a really interesting comparison, and um, I suppose we we can be a bit biased ourselves, can't we? As well, because we we tend to think at the moment, especially if you're on social media, you know, you've you, you definitely know that you know everyone who's especially Man United, Everton, even it's fair to say Arsenal, Spurs, they they seem to be more cheering for the uh, city uh, than Liverpool. But then they would argue that the media is full of. Uh, of ex-Liverpool players. <laughs> There's a bias there as well. So, yeah, it's one of those things that goes round and round in circles. Um, so we're into the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, guys, and a couple of things we want to just cover off um, before that. So turning our attentions then to Saturday, you've both alluded to it. It's must win. It's at Anfield. It's very, very likely but but that by the time Liverpool go out on the pitch, we're going to be needing to win to go back to the back to the top. On paper, looks like the perfect game. Bournemouth, not good travellers. Injury problems, Brooks, Callum Wilson's been a longer term. Absentee, sort of missing players for them. But vulnerable, play a nice style of football that in theory sort of really, really suits us. So, Neil, confident then for Saturday? We'll go out, we'll get the job done. Or are you worried? I think you rightly say. I mean, a couple of things you mentioned. I think I think you rightly say that if, if probably if you had to pick a, a team for us to to go out and get back on the horse against, not not that we've lost, I must must stress, but to get back to winning ways, should we say, would be or or could be uh, Bournemouth. As you say, they they do play uh, a nice a nice style of football. They play attractive football, but it's open. They like to get get the ball down and play. I mean, they they also like to to sit quite deep and try to hit you on the break uh, when they play away from home. But you know, essentially, it's a style that that has suited us in the past. Uh, we've seen some high scoring games against them, and they notably got a got that four three win um, at at their ground a few years ago. Uh, but in general, Liverpool have yeah we've we've had the the upper hand over them quite you know quite what's the word emphatically shall we say, uh, at Anfield. And, you know, <coughs> I don't envisage too many problems. It's one of them where we're all being well. You're going to the game thinking, yep, it's, it's, it should be, if not a formality, then, then a fairly straightforward uh, win. Obviously, you're coming in off the back of... Um, off the back of the two draws, so as you say, the pressure mounts a little. It's a must-win, but I think we've we've got to start. I mean, as fans as well, but I'm sure as players, and I'm sure Klopp is is doing this, and I'm sure they are doing this. They've got to, and we've got to as fans try and take the context out of it, you know, as much as possible. Play each game on its merits 
you know, approaches each game individually and and isolated. And and you know, I think Chengis is right. I think we need a a really positive atmosphere at Anfield. I think we need to. I think if in a way it, it might help if uh, City go to Goodison and win, uh, and Liverpool need need the three points to to get back to to level. No, that's not how it'll work anyway. Well, uh, no, uh, and Liverpool. <laughs> No, to Liverpool go and three points I have again. <laughs> it's what I mean. But we'll be second uh, if, uh, on goal difference. So, to, to go back top, uh, that might work in our favour. Having said that, playing the game on its merits, on its own, Liverpool win this game. Uh, Brooks has been really good for them this season. He's injured at the moment, which is handy for us. He's, he's been at the heart of most of their... Uh, most of their most of their quality going forward. He's been uh, really pulling the strings there. He's got good numbers as well. So he's a big miss for them. Callum Wilson is, I believe, still their top scorer, although he's been out for for a few weeks. But he's definitely ruled out as well uh, at this stage, anyway. Unless unless something uh, miraculous happens, but it, it seems very unlikely. So yeah, I mean, just looking, just having a wee look. Last few results against them. Last three, we've scored eleven, conceded none. The our only our only defeat to them um, in the last what last eight there is the four three, so we've drawn once, we've lost once, and we've won the other six. As I said, the last three very comfortable. I, I can't see any problems. I hope I'm not uh, regretting those words. I hope it's not. Uh, I don't. I don't mean to be overly optimistic or 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 be dismissive of Bournemouth. They're, they're a good side, but uh, I think we should have too much, and we should go on and get the three points. And you'd hope that we do. And Jengis, just just thinking about the game, given what's gone on, given the narrative that's around Liverpool after the last two games, what what's your sort of thoughts? What's your mind second into this? Is it enough? You know, will we just like a one 0 and get a clean sheet and get back to that? Or do you think, given what's happened, is it important that? Actually, we go out and put in a real Liverpool performance here, win three or four nil, uh, and really make a statement. Um, or are you firmly of the opinion doesn't matter, whatever, just whatever, just get over the line and get the three points? Firstly, I, I I saw a tweet recently, and it was saying I'd like Mo Salah to score the first goal uh, with his hand. I'd like him to score his second goal uh, with a dive and a penalty, and I'd like him to score his hat trick um, with an offside goal. And all you motherfuckers can cry me a fucking river. <laughs> so that's that's kind of yeah. I, I just want. Does that, does that sum up how you feel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At at the moment, basically, I really it it would kind of be nice to wind up all the crybabies and all the people who are like taking the piss, like just a hand of God goal by um, the the God of Egypt. Mo Salah, you know, it would, it would be fantastic. But um, looking at Bournemouth, I mean, as, as Neil said, you know, the, the way they play, it really plays into our hands, especially at home. Uh, they, they've been troublesome um, a few times uh, away from home, you know, on their ground. But um, as you also mentioned, Johnny, I mean, they're not great travelers at all. I mean, just a quick summary, um, their away form has been... So they beat West Ham, they beat Watford, then they lost to Chelsea... They lost to Burnley, they lost to Newcastle, they lost to City, they lost to Wolves, they lost to Spurs, they lost to Man United, they lost to Everton, which means something, and they also lost to Cardiff. So their away form is absolutely atrocious, and um, you know, Mo Salah loves a goal against them as well. It's been two games without a goal for Mo Salah, and I think he's 
he'll definitely score uh, a few goals. Um, uh, I expect him to. Um, and I think, um, you know, you know, Liverpool fans are emotional fans, but they, they also have um, quite a lot of sense. And never mind all the uh, the retards on there. I, I bet they're mostly fake accounts anyway. All this FSG and club out. I, I bet there are a bunch of Man United fans running those accounts and just like just yeah. There's there's, you know, <laughs> there's a few of those about, isn't there? There's a few of those about. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but I mean, I think even though Liverpool fans are quite emotional, they they do may. They, they, they're the most sensible fans in, in England, I think. And uh, they, they will understand. And there's kind of, uh, uh, you know, people are really talking about the, the, need, the need to get back to our senses, get behind the team, not freak out. You know, just when you think of, I, I mentioned in the previous podcast, you know, earlier in November when we beat Arsenal, you know, they, they get the equalizer and no one was concerned. Absolutely no one was concerned. And we ended up smashing them. So it's, you know, we, we just have to keep our, our cool uh, as fans, you know, especially the people on the ground. I wish I could be there and uh, support the team. Unfortunately, it's not possible at the moment. But, you know, once we create that special atmosphere and play our football, and when the, when the team facing us is also kind of, you know, willing to play expansive football and have a go at us when they find the chance, you know, I'd rather play against a team like that um, than play against... Um, Newcastle, for example, I think I think we'll do fine. But we really, I mean, I don't think the players need any further motivation. Um, I just think they need a bit of backing and a bit of support, and we should be perfectly fine um, for this game. And I really think um, I, I also mentioned earlier um, in the previous podcast um, the last time we drew two consecutive games, we went on a nine-game um, winning streak. So hopefully, uh, more of that to come. If we are to f- follow our trends of the season so far, so um, yeah, I'm actually um, optimistic that we'll get back on track because it's a massive, massive game, and the players know. And you know, Lalana was already asking for the support, and you could kind of see the fire and the enthusiasm um, of you know asking everyone to you know create this atmosphere at Anfield, and he can't wait for the game. So it should be a special night, uh, well afternoon anyway. Um, and yeah, I think I think we'll be right up for that game. Good, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're feeling we're feeling positive. And you're right. You know, it's we've only lost one game. Yeah, the last two games, the draws, they feel like they've come at a bad time. But actually, you know, the Leicester draw took us a point ahead. Yeah, we've lost a bit of ground. You know, we've lost a bit of ground, obviously, over the weekend. Um, but that can change quickly and. Who knows? I mean, I, I tend to agree with you that, Neil, what you were saying there about Everton, <clears throat> I think if Everton could get away with fielding a team without a goalkeeper tomorrow night, they probably would. They're that better. So, <laughs> anyway, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they're going to be, they're, they're, their crowd are going to be making Goodison too much of a cauldron. Uh, not that it's much of a cauldron anyway, because they're, as we all know, they're fucking shite. Um, so yeah, yeah, I think we we might we might get more joy uh, cheering for the other team in blue, Chelsea, <laughs> which will feel a bit dirty at the weekend. Uh, they certainly have a lot about them, and they could potentially uh, derail them. No, good. Thanks for that, guys. It's you know it's gonna be it's gonna be a big one, and I suppose we've got you know we've got just under ten minutes left here, so. Yeah. 
we're, we're sort of taking the we're, we're looking into the future a little bit here. Um, this night we're recording this on the Tuesday, the fifth. This night, two weeks will be the first leg of the Champions League game against Bayern. That's the game after Bournemouth. So I guess I'm interested. You two gentlemen are are, are based out there in in Berlin. You're obviously quite close to the the Bundesliga scene and close to what's what's happening out there. Just thinking about the game itself, I suppose from a Liverpool perspective, Van Dijk's out, which obviously spreads panic and fear, uh, especially given some of the attacking players that Bayern have. We know that Gomez is is not going to be about, so we're sort of, you know, there's been a lot of sort of people talking about sleepless nights, thinking about a potential Lovren, Matip, Perrin against uh, Lewandowski. But for their part, it's been a disappointing and underwhelming season from Bayern, Neko Kovac. You know, they've been criticised for their style of play. You know, Dortmund have this young, fresh team that have been getting all the headlines, playing all the football, obviously top. Um, what's what's the feeling out there? I suppose I'll come to you first, Shangus. I mean, what's the what's what's the feeling in, in, in Germany? I, I read an astonishing thing, which was that they were talking about ticket applications for a game and basically what they'd said was there were 60,000 more ticket applications for this game than when Bayern met uh, Real Madrid. So there's massive, massive interest in the game with Klopp, obviously. Um, what's the feeling there? Do people see, you know, Liverpool as the favourites or do they think, you know, that, that, that Bayern will have the hex on Klopp again? What's, what's, what's the feeling as we sort of look ahead to that game? Well, um, firstly, um, especially in Berlin, I would say a lot of people tend not to like Bayern. Um, so they're kind of they're they're not really well regarded um, uh, at least um, from from what we've seen you know at least from my friend group and my extended friend group and stuff like that so uh, and in general you know I, I think it's the way Dortmund are playing right now and also um, I mean, Dortmund have always been likened to Liverpool regard, regarding playing style and the tradition and everything so there's always a bit of more sympathy towards Dortmund but. I think everyone would agree that Bayern have just been um, off the pace this season. You know, like um, they they do have um, quite an aging squad. You know, doesn't take away their quality, but it certainly adds certain limitations to players the age of Robin and Ribery and um, you know Lewandowski's thirty, he's fine, but for, or even players at the back, Botang and Javi Martinez, and so they still have so many of these experienced players, but you know, while they have their experience to offer, they do have their limitations as well. And so I think it's it's something that we could benefit from. However, the the problem is Bayern versus Klopp, and you know he was he was the manager who until recent years um, kind of knocked them off their perch temporarily. You know, for two two um, two years in a row he. Uh, he won the league, and it was it was a massive shock to everyone. Ever since that happened, and they obviously played in the Champions League final, um, they played several um, uh, cup finals. Um, so there's a really strong rivalry um, between the two clubs, but it's more of a rivalry between Klopp and Bayern, you know. So whenever um, Klopp will play against Bayern with us or whatever team he manages in the future, which I hope that doesn't happen, but, it, you know, whatever. It's always going to be a big game. And so that's why that will, you know, it's just like how 
uh, doing derbies, um, the form goes out the window. That's pretty much what we should expect. So all the players will be really fired. And, you know, ex-players like uh, uh, Lewandowski and uh, Hummels uh, might feature as well, um, you know, against their ex-coach. And they really love him. They they have a special kind of bond. And But nevertheless, that will only add to the competitiveness of the game. And, you know, even if they've had a really poor season so far, you can totally expect a, a, a very strong Bayern team uh, to face us and really, really want to upset us, especially at Anfield in the absence of Van Dijk and Joe Gomez. And uh, Johnny, you mentioned that, you know, some people <laughs> uh, about the worried people about that potential partnership. I'm definitely one of them. <laughs> I, I think it will, it will it's going to be a massive, massive game uh, because how important away goals are um, in the Champions League. Uh, we know that better than anyone. And um, I think it's going to be extremely difficult um, with the center halves that we will put on the pitch. And I really do hope that Bayern can show some of the poor form they've shown in the Bundesliga when they play us. Because um, if we if we want to keep a clean sheet, I think it's going to be um, going to be quite a bit of a challenge. But, you know, we love a bit of a challenge and we know how European nights are at Anfield. You know, I think if the fans, I, th- I think the fans can really get into the heads um, of that Bayern team. I mean, just think of uh, what happened uh, against Dortmund um, a few years ago when they went 3-1 up and then, uh, you know, they completely broke down and everyone was in a state of shock. So in European nights, you know, it's you, you can always expect the unexpected and, you know, miracles can happen. And so it's, it's going to be another special night, that's for sure. But uh, I would say that Bayern are feeling quite confident um, coming to Anfield this time around. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Um, good. I actually, it's funny when the draw was made, it was uh, Rafa Honigstein, obviously the, the the journalist who's very, obviously knows the, the German league extensively, but also he, he wrote Klopp's, um, the, the the book on Klopp. He was the ghostwriter for that, um, Feel the Noise. And, and he made the point that he really feels that... Uh, They'll still struggle to to live with Liverpool's pace. He really does see Liverpool as favourites when the draw was made. Chief, what Chief? What's your thoughts on it? I know you're not a mad Bayern fan by any stretch. <laughs> no, well, I mean Bayern have the the same. It's the same idea here as as Man United, really. So they've got loads and loads of fans, and they're they're definitely the most supported club in Germany by a long way. And they've got fans from all over Germany. But if you don't support them, you hate them. Uh, so it's a bit like that. They are the the monopoly, aren't they? And certainly in the last four seasons, four yeah, I guess now four seasons, three and a half seasons, four I guess. Uh, they've really had it all their own way since since Klopp left Dortmund, uh, and even since Klopp's final year at, at Dortmund. But that is changing, uh, or has changed this season anyway, as as we sort of alluded to. To put into context, they're not having a bad season. Yeah, they're having a bad season by their own standards and the fact that they're they're third or joint second, third on goal difference. But to put it into context, they're having a similar season to City and Dortmund are having a similar season to us. So Dortmund are played 15, drawn four, lost one. Bayern, I believe, that, sorry, won 15, drawn four, lost one. And uh, Bayern won 13, drawn three, lost four. So seven points behind Dortmund in the 
in the Bundesliga. But what's interesting is, as I mentioned, they, they lost for the weekend against Bayer Leverkusen. And that's come off the back of uh, a run of victories, um, which looked to maybe seen them, you know, be, be turning a corner somewhat. But the defeat against Leverkusen has brought back all the old, well, the questions that were, were being asked a couple of months ago. What's happening? Is this the right coach? You know, are is our playing staff too old? What comes next, and so on. So yeah, I mean, we obviously have our own worries with with uh, Lovren and Matip set to start at centre back, and the, you know that makes a lot of us nervous. And and fair enough, uh, you know, we've every right to be nervous with that, especially when it could have been Gomez and Van Dijk, and what a combination they are. But Bayern kind of have their own issues. Um, you know, Thomas Muller suspended. He they. They appealed his his two match suspension for the red card against Ajax, but that was overturned. was wasn't uh, wasn't upheld. So uh, the suspension was upheld. So he won't he won't feature in either game. It's certainly helpful for us. Uh, and talk about Manuel Neuer not being fit. He was out the weekend. He's got problems with his thumb. Um, we'll have to see on that one. But he hasn't been at his sparkling best this season either. So yeah, I think when the draw was made, I think uh, and I think. It, in general, the the feeling is that Liverpool, if they're on their game with their pace, if they play the way they played in the Champions League last season at this stage, will will give Bayern a torrid time, uh, and will probably end up. You know that they are probably favourites in the tie. Having said that, you know the weakness of centre back gives Bayern an opportunity in the first leg, and as Jengis rightly says, away goals are massively important. But I think the feeling here, I think the, the overriding factor, as you mentioned at the top of this, Johnny, is that people want to come and watch Liverpool. People want to come and watch Jurgen Klopp's side. This is a this is a big deal, and it's going to be the talk of Germany for for the three weeks uh, which it encompasses. So, or which it which it sandwiches, whatever. Um, so, yeah, uh, very much looking forward to the game. I, I would disagree slightly with, with Jengis. I would I would make Liverpool slight favours. I would say the feeling here is is that Liverpool have the tools to to do an ageing or a, 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 certainly a Bayern team in transition some damage. But yeah, we we obviously have our our worries, uh, our club worries. I, I'm really I'm the more I talk about this tie. Uh, I think it's one of those ones. Normally, in a uh, in a normal season, we we get so caught up in the almost the distraction of the Champions League. We, we may be chasing top four, but the Champions League is like this big prize. But obviously, the season's been so different because we've been so wrapped up in this title race. I almost feel like the Bayern tie is a lovely little distraction, and that we we can all sort of enjoy it. We can hope for a really big result on the big stage. We've got the players to do them, but with the sense of there's a bigger thing happening in the background, which is getting that title over the line. So it's a, so it makes for an interesting dynamic, and who knows, might actually help Liverpool. Might actually help Liverpool go out and relax and and play their best. Let's hope so, guys. Listen, we we've covered um, covered everything. Um, Really good, really good discussion with you both there. Some 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 great points. Um, and as I say, really interesting to just get that sort of track from from, from Germany on the tie. So before we before we wrap up then, um anything Jengis you want to mention or plug or social media wise, have you got a Twitter handle? Everyone in the world seems to have a Twitter handle these days. Yeah, well yeah, well my my 
final point to make is that I I myself am going to try and distance myself from all this um, negative bullshit happening on, on Twitter because I really think it's um, absolutely ridiculous. So I would just stick to the fundamentals, you know, support the team, um, don't listen to the bullcrap, up the reds, we go again. A, a nice sentiment there, a nice sentiment. And yeah, uh, I think for anyone's uh, sort of mental health, distancing yourself from Twitter is never a bad idea. And I wish I would take my own advice <laughs> on that. Chief, then, Mr. Patterson, what about you? What uh, any, Anything to plug, anything uh, Twitter-wise you want to... Well, uh, well, Chief, I was going to say that, you know, on Twitter, one of the best weapons is actually the mute button uh, for people, so... <laughs> You've sort of done a nice little lead into that. That's a nice segue. (laughs) It's best to mute people or yourself when you want to be muted and not just be chatting away there when when you've got the mute button down. But no, I I just go along with with what uh, Jenga said there. Uh, There's, you know, you've got to have the, you know, we've got to have the the stones for the title fight as as well. Uh, Or, you know, the the guts, should I say. It could be gender non-specific. We've got to have the guts for the title fight. There are going to be, you know, me- <laughs> there are going to be many more surprises. I would say certainly a few, and kind of spitting the dummy every time something doesn't go exactly as you wanted to. You know, you'll end up looking a bit ridiculous, and you probably end up having a heart attack. So uh, yeah, stick with it. Um, and yeah, in terms of plugging anything, I'm, I'm plugging True Detective this week, uh, season three. Pretty good. Get on it and up the reds. On on that note, I've, well, I've been your host, Johnny Henderson. My Twitter handle, um, there's probably as much stuff uh, on bloody Brexit at the minute. It's at TubinLad. Uh, if you want to give me a wee follow and you're a red, I will certainly follow you back. But yeah, I would echo what the two guys are saying. Um, the, this bunch of players, they've only lost one game. We're top of the league. We might go second if City win, but they'll be level. We'll have a game in hand. We're going to beat Bournemouth. We'll be three ahead. We've got a decent running of fixtures and this this bunch of players deserve our backing. And I'll tell you what, if the players had the bottle of some of our fan base over the last week, then we could all uh, go home and forget about it. But thankfully, you know, this bunch of players have the bottle. And as the guys have said, let's get behind them. Up the Reds and uh, three points on Saturday. Be very welcome. And then we get ready uh, for Bayern. Uh, but that's been the Copcast podcast. Thank you for listening.